Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast filled with immersive travel stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Camleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with the places we visit and dream about future adventures, regardless of your travel plans. Each episode starts with a travel story to whisk you away. Then I'll tell you some of my top tips to visit Scotland for yourself. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. Welcome to season two of Wild for Scotland. I'm so excited to be back with new stories and I can't wait to share them with you over the next two months or so. This season is all about road trips. Each week we hit the road to discover a different scenic drive in Scotland. Along the way we'll stop to see what's left and right of the road. We'll discover landscapes, spot wildlife, explore historic sites and meet a local or two. We'll start today with one of Scotland's most famous drives, the Road to the Isles. If you follow my Best of Scotland itinerary, for example, you will inevitably drive down this road on your way to the Isle of Skye. It's not exactly a hidden gem, but until recently, I hadn't even explored everything this short stretch of road has to offer. Only 42 miles lie between Fort William on the northern shores of Loch Linney and Malig out on the west coast. On the fastest route, and without any stops, it takes about an hour to drive down this road, and in all fairness, that's what most people do in order to catch one of the boats leaving Malig. Ferries come and go in this little port town, That is, after all, where the road to the Isles got its name. Sky, Rum, Egg, Canna, Muck and even South Uist. There are many islands you can sail to from Malig. But, as you might already suspect, this is not a show about the fastest routes. It's a show about meandering journeys full of adventure. So let's fasten those imaginary seatbelts and drive down the road together. This is Road to the Isles. 
actually, hold on, hold on. I forgot to tell you something. Did you notice that I mentioned my Best of Scotland itinerary in the introduction to the show? I should mention also that I'm currently working on a much more detailed version of this itinerary, which will be available for pre-order soon, as well as nine other ready-made itineraries I created for you. All you need to do is pick a region and follow one of my itineraries. No need to think about where to stop or how long you need in each location. I already did all that work for you. I've been creating detailed Scotland itineraries for years, first for my blog and then also custom routes for my clients. With one of my ready-made itineraries, you'll get a super detailed rundown of every day on the road, with details down to which roads to take, how long to stop where, and where to go when you've got to go. Each itinerary also includes an interactive map with pins for all of these locations, a list of suggested places to stay overnight in each destination, ideas to extend your trip, and, of course, some dreamy pictures to inspire your trip. The itineraries aren't quite ready yet, but if you head to the sign-up page linked in the show notes, you'll be the first to know when they are available to pre-order. Today's story is inspired by the Best of Scotland itinerary. So let's get back to it. Last night, I hit the jackpot. I wandered along the waterfront of Fort William. Loch Linney was sparkling in the evening sun, the deep blue water like a sapphire, glassy like a mirror. I walked past the Cranock, a well-known seafood restaurant by the water, its white walls and red roof shining bright, a fresh lick of paint for the season. Next to the restaurant, I see a big boat with colourful bunting swaying gently in the breeze. Two men are tying up thick ropes, securing the boat to the pier for the night. Intrigued, I take a few steps closer. To my left, I spot a black sign. On it, a timetable, written in white chalk. 10am, bay cruise. 12pm, seal cruise. What's the difference between the 10am and the 12pm cruise, I ask. One of the men looks up and explains the difference. His response comes as a complete surprise. Why would this information not be on the board? I promise to return the next morning. The bay cruise will make the perfect start to my day on the road to the Isles. The boat leaves Fort William right on time the next day. I checked out of my B&B in the morning and parked my car in the town so I could quickly hit the road after the cruise. Most people leave Fort William right away and seek their luck on the road. But I am glad I decided to slow down 
and spend the morning taking in the views and the sunshine here on the loch. As the pier gets smaller in the distance, the mountains behind Fort William come into view. The towering peaks of the Nevis range and, of course, Ben Nevis himself, the tallest of them all. I've never quite appreciated how well you can see these mountains from here. Later on the road, I'm grateful that I chose to venture out by boat. Catching glimpses of the peaks in the rear mirror does not quite have the same appeal. The boat makes its way northwest of Fort William. Along the way, the skipper tells stories about the Caledonian Canal, which ends here in the locks of the Neptune staircase, about the old paper mill of Korpach that was once the driving force of the area, but has since been turned into a timber yard by the sea, about the tiny road that hugs the shores of Loch Linney across on the other side, taking visitors on a remote journey to the West Highland peninsulas. We sail past a small island, abundant with seabirds, their peace disturbed by the low hum of the engine. And then the boat stops and begins turning left to right in the gentle current of the loch. There are kayakers ahead of us, paddling towards the shore. We sit there and wait. You see, the highlight of the 10am bay cruise, the reason why I decided to delay my departure from Fort William by a few hours, and why I got onto this boat without a shadow of a doubt, is about to happen. I hear it long before I see it. The calm jogging of an old engine. A whistle blowing. I see a white cloud of smoke rise above the trees and then it appears. The Jacobite steam train. Everybody is out on deck now, taking pictures and videos, capturing the moment in any way possible so it would last for a lifetime. The train tracks emerge from the houses and run close to the water for a while. Our skipper does his best to keep up, sailing alongside the tracks for the best views of the train. And then, as fast as it appeared, the train is gone. All that remains is the white smoke from the locomotive, the noise of the train chugging along faints in the distance, until it is too far to hear. The show lasted all about 30 seconds, but it was worth every moment. Back in Fort William, I bid farewell to the crew and make my way to the car. Ahead of me, 42 miles of scenic roads to the coast. Most people who drive the road to the Isles see it as a means to an end, a shortcut to get to the Isle of Skye a little bit faster than driving all the way round to the Sky Bridge. They might stop a few times, but overall they make pretty quick progress and find themselves in my league in an hour or two. But I want to take it slower and see what else the road to the Isles has to offer. 
After leaving Lochlinny and the villages near Fort William behind, the road runs close to the shores of another loch, Loch Ale. These lands were once the home turf of the clan Cameron and their so-called gentle chieftain, Donald Cameron of Loch Ale. How gentle the man really was may be up for debate, though. He was a fierce defender of the Jacobite cause and fought alongside his men at the Battle of Culloden. At first, the Camerons of this area lived on a small island on Loch Linney, guarding the entrance to Loch Eel, and with it, access to these lands. They later moved north to a castle in Achnacari, but the area would forever bear their name. From here, it is not long until my first stop, one that is neither offbeat nor hidden, but must not be missed nevertheless. I'm talking, of course, about Glenfinnan, a place famed for so many things. It's where Bonnie Prince Charlie gathered his army and raised his banner to claim the throne. Just eight months later, many of his men would follow Culloden, their dream crushed and culture doomed. Many years later, Alexander MacDonald of Glenalladale built a monument to their fate right here at Glenfinnan. Today, many people stop here for a different reason. Turning away from Loch Shiel and the monument is another attraction that has burnt its way into our cultural memories, especially if you, like me, grew up with the Harry Potter books and films. The Glenfinnan Viaduct of the West Highland Railway is a monument of Victorian engineering. 21 towering arches made from concrete bridging the glen and connecting the hills in a semicircle. It's quite the impression, even on its own. But if you time your visit right, you can catch the steam train as it crosses the viaduct. Take position at one of the viewpoints and watch it as it slowly glides across the tracks, allowing passengers to enjoy the views and onlookers to take hundreds of pictures. Everybody wins. I park up and walk to the viewpoint east of the viaduct. I miss the train this time, but at least that means it is a little quieter and I get to take in the views on my own. It's too early for the heather to be in full bloom just yet, but I can see the first spots of purple appearing on the hills. The young leaves on the low-growing birch trees are bright green, almost too bright to be real. I sit here for a while, the rocks warm from the sunshine, and look out across the viaduct to one side, Loch Shiel and the monument on the other. I take a deep breath and close my eyes. Back on the road, I notice the landscape is changing. So far, the road to the Isles led through dense woodlands, trees obscuring the views of the lochs. But now I can see more. The wide glens, rocky mountaintops, views as far as the eye can see. The road twists and bends, and then, all of a sudden, I'm next to water again. Loch Eilt with a T. 
While the road follows the northern shore of the loch, I can see the train tracks now closely hugging the southern shore. At times, the loch is so narrow, it looks like a river, but after about a mile, it widens and turns into a picturesque highland loch. On its far side, tiny islands covered in tall pine trees are scattered around the water. The most famous of them, Alien Namoin, was used as a film location in the Harry Potter films, although the island was later digitally transferred to a much bigger and wider loch for a more dramatic effect on screen. There is only a tiny lay-by near the island, and even though I pinned it on my Google Maps, it's gone in a split second, too late to stop. And so I drive on, through Loch Eilert and past the bays of Loch Namuag, up a hill and under the train tracks, until I get to the entrance of Arisig. I spot a brown sign. It says, Alternative Coastal Route. I indicate and turn left. Away from the main road, the coastal road quickly turns into a narrow single track, winding left and right until the beaches come into view. This part of the coast, stretching from Arisig to Mora, a few miles north, is nothing but a string of white sands. Sheltered bays with crystal clear water, shining bright in cobalt, azure and turquoise blue colours. Yellow gorse and rocky outcrops frame the beaches, like a perfect picture. They are full of life. People pick shells from the sand, sit on the rocks and watch the waves roll in, or plunge into the ice-cold water for a refreshing dip in the Atlantic. I watch them as I slowly roll by on the tiny road that closely hugs the shoreline. Eventually, I stop to take a closer look at one of the beaches myself. I pull into a small car park and set off down a sandy track, past gores and ferns that stand taller than me. After a few minutes, the path emerges between the dunes, I can see a small river winding its way towards the sea on the right and a house on the wee hill above it. I turn a corner around a grass-covered dune and stop in my tracks. The hair on my neck stand up straight and I rub my eyes. I feel like pinching myself to make sure I'm really here in the soft sand of this beach. The view is breathtaking. I wander from one bay to the next, follow little footpaths up and across the dunes. Around me are flower meadows covered in yellow, purple and pink blossoms. It's an explosion of colours. The sand is perfectly white and looks like whipped cream. Thousands of footsteps have left a pattern of little heaps and furrows, tiny ridges in the sand. Beyond, the water looks dramatic. White horses dance on the top of the waves. Sparkling shades of turquoise turn into murky waters of a stormy sea. The clouds in the sky above are white, but in the distance I can see the rain clouds piling up. On the horizon I see the outlines of the small isles. 
the characteristic back of egg, with its sudden drop of cliffs on one side and a pointy summit on the other. The tops of the Ramkulins are almost out of sight. Weary of the approaching storm, I make my way back to the car and continue my drive. A short while later, I reach the end of the road to the Isles. The harbour of Malague, a bustling port with ferries and boats coming and going. From here, ferries leave for the famous Isle of Skye, the lesser-known small isles, and also to remote places like the Noidart Peninsula, just northwest of here. I check in for my ferry and park the car at the port. The pier is busy with fellow road trippers, families with lively kids, tourists from around the world. They watch the boats and enjoy their chippies, safeguarding each bite from the vicious seagulls above. I watch the events unfold as one seagull after the other manages to succeed in stealing a chip or on occasion even a piece of fish. As the ferry arrives for its last crossing of the day, my heart fills with excitement. The road to the Isles may lie behind me, but my adventure has only just begun. I start the engine of my car one last time to drive onto the boat and make my way to the deck. As we sail across the sea to sky, I look back to the mainland and relive the experiences of the day. From Fort William to Malik, the dark waters of the highland lochs, the soft jogging of the steam train, the white sands of the beaches along the west coast. I'm glad I slowed down and experienced the best of the road to the Isles. I hope you enjoyed this story about taking the slow road to Malig. As you can see, you can easily fill an entire day on the short stretch of road. And you bet you could spend even more time in the area. There is so much to see. But before we get to the practical part of the show, let's take a quick detour to hear a story about our sponsors. Now, it's time for the practical part of the show. Here are my top five travel tips to make the most of your time on the road to the Isles. Tip number one, stay in the area. If you follow my Best of Scotland itinerary, you'll find that I suggest spending a night in Fort William or nearby Glencoe before driving down the road to the Isles. On my most recent trip, I stayed at Lochview Guesthouse in Fort William, which is away from the busy main road and has stunning views of Loch Linney. In Glencoe, I recommend staying at Scorry Brack Guesthouse, which lies a little outside the main village, but still in easy walking distance and just a stone's throw from Glencoe Lochen. Tip number two. You won't need a super early start. The morning service of the Jacobite steam train leaves Fort William just after 10, which means you get a lion. So whether you want to catch the 10am bay cruise or see the train cross over the Glenfinnan viaduct, you don't have to rise particularly early. 
Tip number three. Go on a boat ride with Cranock Cruise. There are many ways you can see the steam train, but to me, seeing it from the boat on a Cranock Cruise was extra special. At Glenfinnan, there are usually loads of people, and you might struggle getting a good photo spot without anyone else in the picture. I didn't have that problem on the boat. In addition, the cruise was also just lovely to see local wildlife and see Ben Nevis rising above the town in the distance. That's a view I won't forget anytime soon. Tip number four. Wear sturdy shoes to the beaches. It might feel like overkill to wear hiking boots to the beach, but I'm honestly so glad I did, because there is never just one beach. Whether you stop at Kamasdarak Beach or the Silver Sands, you'll find that there's actually one sandy bay after the other. And to get to them, you often have to follow tiny paths across rocks and hills, patches of heather and slippery rock pools. It's so much easier to do that in sturdy shoes. And if you want to dig your toes in the sand, just take them off for a while. Tip number five. Beware the seagulls of Malig. Seagulls are heralds of the sea at the best of times. Their screeching sounds indicate that the coast must be nearby, and that can only be a good thing. But at worst, they are the stuff of nightmares. In Malig, seagulls are known to be quite vicious and hungry. So if you decide to go through the right of any Scottish road trip and treat yourself to a chippy by the harbour, prepare to defend yourself and your food. The seagulls at Malig love themselves some fried fish and potatoes and will not shy away from stealing food out of your hands. And with this, I send you off to dream about your own trip to the Scottish Highlands. If you're travelling from Fort William to Skye, consider slowing down and exploring what the road to the Isles has to offer. This was just the first road trip story waiting for you this season. In the coming weeks, we'll be heading to far-flung places like the Mull of Galloway, the Royal Deeside and more. I hope you'll tune in for that. Thank you so much for listening to Wild for Scotland. This is an independently produced show, so if you enjoyed it and want to support what we do, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading your feedback and reviews really help others find the show. Wild for Scotland is written and hosted by me, Cathy Kamleitner. Fran Turowskis is the editor and co-producer of the show. Podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan Knight, the Tartan Trailburner, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, when we travel down a different road in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland. And it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesee.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.